Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast Supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, bit to get 30, bit to get 20, 20, 20, bit to get 20, 20, bit to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at PlushCare.com slash weight loss. That's PlushCare.com slash weight loss. PlushCare.com slash weight loss. Hello, good evening, good morning, good afternoon, and welcome to the Forza Italian Football Podcast. As ever, I am your host, Connor Clancy. I'm joined by the usual two, Vito Doria. Vito, hello. Hello, Connor. How are you? I'm, I'm not right. too bad, thanks. I'm not too bad. I don't know if I asked you, actually, which makes me feel bad. How are you? <laughs> I'm all right. Um, I've got my morning coffee, so hopefully that sauce me from feeling like a zombie. <laughs> And I've got my nighttime decaf tea, so hopefully in about two hours I will feel like a zombie and be able to sleep. I've got a very, very early train to catch tomorrow morning by my standards. We're also joined by Kev Pugzelski again in a Roma shirt. Kev, hello. Hi, guys. Yeah, I've got a tea myself, but it looks a bit ropey, like the wife's rushed upstairs making it for me, so... Well, to be fair, you did boot her out of the room because we called you while you were watching the end of a film. So I can't blame her if she's not serving you up the nicest cup of tea at the moment. She knows what Sunday night means. <laughs> um, pod comes first. Pod comes first. Kev, how are you? I'm not too bad. Not too bad. Um, Look, no, we won't. We'll wait. We'll wait. But I mean, I was trying to think of a way to start this week's podcast, but I know there was a big game arguably two big games in that Juve beat Roma, Inter beat Fiorentina. There was the shock result in Genoa, obviously, which we'll come on to. But, Kev, it feels like this was a weekend where nothing actually happened. Or is that just me that thinks that? No, no, it did, it did, it did feel a little bit like that. I, I don't think it's helped by one of the bigger encounters taking place on a Friday night. Because, you know, we've all talked about the fatigue of how many games we're having to get through at the moment. And um, you kind of feel a little bit, you know, overloaded with games by the time Sunday evening comes. So you kind of forget that Inter did go top. And as much as probably Vito hates to hear it, the most significant probably leap was 
Genoa continue in their good form and you know they're nearly over the halfway point in the in the league standings. Yeah, and we're over the halfway point in the league season just, which is un unthinkable for for Genoa. Usually they wait another. 10-15 games before they start clicking into gear just in time to survive. But look, we'll start at the top as ever. Milan are still there after being temporarily leapfrogged by Cross City rivals Inter. They played Crotone on Sunday afternoon. They thumped them 4-0. But I think 4 is probably a bit of gloss on the scoreline for this one, Kev, because Ibrahimovic put them 1-0 up with his 500th club career goal. We'll get on to him. And then he got his 501st. But it was a 10-minute window in the second half, where Milan scored three times and that was it done then for Crotone. Yeah, I said before coming on on uh, onto the pod that I, I kind of started losing interest, but after the goals had gone in. And actually, I I, I watched the game and, and put, in, put a note down on 25 minutes, just all Milan, because mm. I kind of thought, I was probably writing that note in case Crotone snuck a 1-0 win. But, you know, just to remind me how dominant they were for the first 25 minutes. And then suddenly, boom, boom, boom. And, and, then, and then that controls there. And again, they, because they never looked out of sight, I kind of lost a little bit of interest. I was probably more more impressed with that dominant performance on the back of Inter going top. Because mm. I kind of want to see what's made of them when they are chasing, you know, maybe chasing somebody else at the top of the table for a full week. But I still think given Inter's, relatively convincing win on Friday night that this, you know, the, the dominance in this performance, even against bottom of the league, uh, you know, goes another step towards believing me that Milan could take the title. Yeah, I mean, we've kind of been on that for a while now, right? I mean, it feels like months ago that we were saying that they're actually contenders, probably about October time, maybe. But I mean, they really, really are. They, they really, really are. They're still there, Vito. But I want to... I want to talk about Rafael Leao in particular because he's he's a player who comes in for his fair share of criticism and at times rightly so. I mean, his decision-making isn't always tip-top. But when he delivers, he is one of, in, in my opinion anyway, one of the most enjoyable players to watch in Serie A. And that was kind of seen from his pass for Ibrahimovic's first goal this afternoon. Well, he's the type of player that does have those technical abilities. Um, he can uh, pull off a few fancy tricks as well. And uh, he is a, he's quite a tall player. So you could see why in other games he would be put as a centre forward. But uh, he is better off as a wingman. And, um, yeah, when in full flight, he's pretty hard to stop because... He's got the physical attributes, he's got the speed, and with the technique he's got, if he can utilise all his strengths properly, he'd be a far more dangerous player. Um, so far, we've we've seen moments of brilliance, and he's got into the FIF team of the week a couple of times. So it shows that when he is in top form, he can be a great threat for the Rossoneri and even a match winner. Mm, Kev, I was actually a little bit disappointed that Milan had a goal ruled out a little bit earlier on because Davide Calabria had scored after Leao had done a beautiful little bit of improvised footwork to tee him up. And I thought, oh, that's a shame because Leao's been robbed of a really nice assist there because Ibra was lazy and offside in the build-up. But then he redeemed himself with a pass that, I mean, 
it's the kind of pass that you used to see Andres Iniesta, Xavi, and that Barcelona team play through a gap between the centre-back and the full-back that didn't look like it existed, but they found it. And it was just great. He's 21 as well. 21. Yeah, I think obviously, you know, we've we've talked before about the person receiving the pass and the move they make. I suppose knowing that it's Ibrahimovic going on to it gives him that confidence to play it first time because you've got to remember it was it was nil-nil still. You know, they, they had struggled for 30 minutes to, to break Tone down. And um, and yeah, the, the Calabria goal that you referenced was a lovely move that took me ages because I kind of doing other things around the game to work out what what it had been pulled back for. It was so early in the move. The, the commentary team were a bit confused by that as well, to be honest, because they kept talking about how Calabria is clearly not offside because he's run from behind. Leo and it was only after watching it like a few times that they clocked onto what had happened. But yeah, Milan marching on at the top. Vito, as Kev said, it, it was a big and perfect response to Inter overtaking them and showed arguably a slightly different side to them. Well, they are still maintaining their run, um, uh, showing that even though the City rivals are putting some pressure on the top, that they're able to maintain their own... Uh, hopes or aspirations for the title. And uh, also against a team like Crotone, with all due respect to them, uh, these are the kind of teams that Milan should be winning comprehensively against uh, at home. So to put four away is uh, surely going to impress the fans and, of course, those involved at the club. Kev, Zlatan Ibrahimovic turns... 40 this year he's he's old enough literally to be Rafael Leao's dad and a number of the players in that Milan team's father as well and probably to have fathered multiple of those players given the timeline of their births but he scored okay, five okay. club career goals and yeah. he's a freak yeah, so I'm just soaking all that in. You know, it brings a tear to my eye. <laughs> Why? How old are you this year? I I, I turn forty in May. Uh, maybe when Milan and Ibrahimovic are celebrating a scudetto. Um, I, I I I've got. I had a lot of time for. I had a lot of time for Ibrahimovic. Um, maybe as I get a bit older and he gets a bit older, I sort of. I wince a little at some of the sort of stuff on social media, but if you take purely what he's done in a football sense, he's he is one of the phenomenal players of his generation. I think, you know, I, the whole goal thing, we've had the Ronaldo statistics and then going back to Santos changing Pele's numbers. I think if you just look at his talent alone, what he's won, what he's given the signs he's played for, Probably unfortunate that he's played in a time where Ronaldo and Messi have been so mm. far be- beyond everybody else. Otherwise, we'd probably be talking about at least a hat-trick of Ballon d'Ors for him. Yeah, I do think he is one of those. In the in the same bracket as kind of Iniesta, Iron Robin as well to an extent, that they're very unfortunate that they coincided with two of... I mean, two extraterrestrials, right? Cristiano Ronaldo and Lionel Messi, they're not human they they are something different and I, I do think you're right in that yeah and then and the numbers obviously we're talking about the, the 500 or 501 goals is something i've said before where you get that strange combination of a supremely talented player that has the physical attributes i'm not just talking about you know size you know shape whatever 
that he manages to manages to come back from injuries quickly, keep himself fit, and still compete at this level. It's not just that we're moving into a generation now where we're probably going to see footballers playing into later stages of their uh, their careers. But, yeah, um, on, yeah. On, on to someone else who Zlatan Ibrahimovic is probably old enough to to have fathered Kev. Or not Kev, sorry, Vito, this one's over to you. Nicola Barella scored the first in Inter's 2-0 win away at Fiorentina. Just again, proving himself to be... I mean, I kind of want to ramp it up because every time I talk about him, I say how good he is and he's the best ex in Serie A. But is he the best player in Serie A now, if not only the best Italian player? In terms of form, I think he could make an excellent case for it. Uh, Yeah, he's definitely... Up there, um, yeah, I'm actually stumped as to who I would pick at number one because uh, Barella's probably been Inter's best player. Then you've got um, AC Milan, where although Ibra's been out for some time, I'd still say he's been the best player. For natural talent, of course, Zlatan's number one, but even for form, it would either be between him or Frank Kessie. Then at Juve, you know, as much as we don't want the fanboys to sort of rejoice till the cows come home, you'd still say Ronaldo because he's still scoring prolifically. But uh, Barella, to me, has shown that he's the most complete midfielder in Serie A at the moment and probably the most complete midfielder Italy has for the time being because he can contribute in both phases in the game and uh, he's someone that's not just a hard worker. He's got the football brain and he's got the um, technical skills as well. So he's very well-rounded. And probably the only extra attribute he could really add to his game is if he added more goals. And he scored a stupendous goal against Fiorentino on Friday night. So that's probably the only extra thing. But I don't think it's mandatory for him to do so. But if he adds it, Something fantastic. Mm. Kev, who is better than Barella? Uh, well, I'm not sure. The, the point I was just about to make was that um, I saw Barella uh, post-game comment where he said, I'm I'm into his Marquisio. Mm. And I thought to myself, you're better than Marquisio. <laughs> you <know, laughs> yeah, I you're, thought you're the same thing. You're being polite to someone or you're doing yourself down because you are a more rounded, if you like, midfielder footballer, what we want to call it. Uh, gets around the pitch quicker, you know, can dispossess people better. Um, you know, don't get me wrong, Marquisio had his talents. Um, just to, to answer your question, I've been really impressed with Mkhitaryan this season when we're just kind of talking midfield-ish kind of attack that sort of breaks breaks through the, you know, between the lines of midfield and attack and supports the, um, the attacking side and, and a large part of the improvement for Roma this year. But... Mm. Um, yeah, Barella's got to be up there. I was I was thinking about it the other day, just thinking who I'd pick now as maybe a team of the season because invariably when we are asked to do this in however many weeks we've got left, you forget the people that have performed in the first half of the season that mm. probably warrant that place, um, which I might try and do this week. But um, those two would definitely be in there. I think what stands in Barella's favour, though, is that he's put in one of his the biggest performances came in the, the Derby d'Italia, right? So it's it's a memorable one. It will stick in your head that little bit more. But yeah, there you go. Vito, with everything that's going on at Inter at the moment, particularly behind the scenes, the club ownership, the club's ownership rather is very much up in the air. Nobody really knows what's going to happen 
there. But all things considered, you kind of have to give credit to Antonio Conte for keeping them ticking on on the pitch, despite everything that's uncertain. Yeah, I think in this case, uh, we do have to give him some credit because before the speculation suggesting that uh, the Suning group or the Zhang family are having issues getting money out of China so they are not able to invest more into Inter, um, yeah, it's not ideal for anyone involved in the club to have some uncertainty in regards to the wages and financial situation. So for Conte to keep them focused on winning Serie A at least, I think that's a credit to him. And also, I think it also demonstrates his strengths. I think we're easy to pounce on certain flaws in his character or coaching. Um, um, I'm probably one of those people, especially if he just complains too much and he's too obsessed with experienced players and so forth. But um, when he does focus on the league, he sticks to his 3-5-2 and he has his preferred set of players. He knows how to get the best out of them. So, I mean, I think he he shows that, yeah, he deserves praise for knowing how to create a winning machine for league competitions. Did you see the video in midweek, Kev? Was it in midweek? I can't remember when it was, but the video of Conte in the stands when his um, assistant or friend is talking through a microphone to someone on the bench. Oh no, I can't. I can't have. Oh no, because I only saw the first half of uh, of the Coppa Italia actually on Tuesday, wasn't it? Well, anyway, our listeners will no doubt have seen this, and if you've not, find it. It's gift, and it's everywhere. Basically, is there's a guy sitting beside Conte who's speaking through a microphone. I would say, allegedly, to the people on the bench, because technically he's not supposed to do that, but. Conte is just sitting there trying to communicate with him to then for him to then communicate a message through the microphone. And something must have happened on the pitch because then Conte, in the most Conte fashion, just like jumped up, flailing, and leaned over, grabbed the microphone, and just started screaming into it himself. It was it reminded me of the time he jumped up on the dugout when Italy scored in the European Championship, the time when he just booted the ball when it came near him as well. It was a, a peak Conte moment, we should say. The biggest game of the weekend, though, Vito Doria was Juve Roma and Roma did what they tend to do against the big teams this year and they didn't quite deliver they lost 2-0 Cristiano Ronaldo scored the first and um Roger Ibanez he's had a bad time against the big sides too he put through his own goal for the second yeah um, another solid win for Juventus and uh, look more than anything I I watched the first half but even from what I picked up on that, I thought that Roma were able to keep possession and create chances, but I thought Juventus, when they did have the ball, they were probably more slick and the chances they generated were probably a lot better than what the Giallorossi created. Um, it's games like this where, unfortunately, we show that we see that um, Roma do not do well against the big teams. I thought that Mkhitaryan and to another extent Spinazzola looked like they try to create some spark. They try to create something for Roma, but the others uh, weren't able to really pose a serious threat for the Bianconeri defence. As for Juventus, as for Juventus, I think, uh, as for Juventus, I think that, um, yeah, they... 
that even though there were probably a few players that weren't at their best individually, that there's still a strong enough team that they'll have that individual brilliance that will get them over the line. Yeah, well, they did. I think saying that they got over the line probably just about sums it up because, Kev, you've had three shots. Wow, I didn't realise it was that low. I, they made a big thing in the uh, in the British uh, commentary about uh, Roma having between sort of fifty five and sixty percent possession. Um, uh, 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 Scott Munro on on Twitter sort of summed up Roma's performance really quite well because it wasn't as if they did anything wrong, but they just they lacked that sort of clinical edge in in the final in the final third. Um, if they'd walked away with a narrow one one nil win, you would have you would have you know we'd probably been talking about the performance and, and certainly praising it a lot more than we are now. I, I I then struggled looking at how Juventus probably approached the game as much as anything else because they gave up that possession as to whether they got the goal so early. Well, I say so early, relatively early, with uh, thirteen minutes. I think it was certainly within the first fifteen that. It allowed them to have that more cautious, cautious approach, which we we have kind of seen under Pirlo this season. Start of the start of the campaign, there were lots of sort of passing amongst themselves in the in their in their own firm third, if you like, their defensive third. So I wondered whether they never actually had to get out of second gear because Roma were so mm. poor in that final third. They got that early goal, and we probably didn't see the game we might have seen if it had been, say, nil-nil at half-time and maybe Fonseca had taken the reins or just got something out of Roma attacking-wise in the second half and, and and Juventus had to put a little bit more pressure on. A situation where Fonseca did kind of take the reins this week is that Edin Dzeko was stripped of the Roma captaincy, uh, having fallen out with, with the coach. You're shaking your head, Kev. What's your opinion on all of this? Uh, to, to be honest, I... I I I can't I didn't realise that had happened until I watched the watched the game and obviously were talking about it. But I would have I would have taken the captaincy off of him. Was it a year, two years ago when he had that ridiculous rant that got himself sent off in the Coppa Italia? You know he would not leave the pitch and it took him ages to get him off and uh, they collapsed to someone. It might have been at Atalanta, so you'd you'd know Connor. And I couldn't believe that he retained the captaincy or was given it after that. Um. But yeah, I remember, I remember an incident of him talking himself into a stupid red card, but I don't remember it being against Atalanta, unfortunately. I just remember it being in the cup because it was midweek. Not I don't think I, I don't think Atalanta, Atalanta got binned out of the cup quite early last season against Fiorentina, so it wouldn't have been. Maybe it was uh, a year before, but I remember still being annoyed that he was ever given the captaincy after that. Mm. But you think as captain, he's gone in, and he's you know you've got to kind of support your coach i suppose you are the person that the rest of the team would expect to be the spokesperson if they've got an issue with the the coach's um approach formation strategy um but you would probably prefer certainly the coach but maybe even some of the other players that that's done the day after when the dust had settled and obviously the what has happened is is in the immediate aftermath to the exit to spezia um but yeah, I suppose if he's going to bring him back into the team, then the taking the captaincy away is the probably most logical thing to do, just to show that you know he is going to have the last word. Mm. Speaking of aging 
forwards in Serie A. Goran Pandev veto. He scored twice as Genoa picked up arguably, well, I don't even want to say arguably there, as Genoa picked up undoubtedly the biggest result of this round of Serie A. They beat Napoli 2-1 at the Marassi. And, I mean, you've got to give it to them. What a result that was. It's an incredible result, especially when you consider that early in the season, uh, they were destroyed by the Partenopei 6-0. Um, obviously, the circumstances were different as they had Ronaldo Maran as coach, and unfortunately, they had a huge bunch of uh, COVID 19 infections, so that did not help their situation. But uh, once again, whenever they have Davide Ballardini as a coach, um, there's something about him and that club. When they work together, he's able to make the whole greater than the sum of their parts. So the players play for him. Uh, they're really well drilled side, and I think with the way Napoli played, I think Napoli played too slow for my liking. Especially when you consider they got so many pacey players, um, I think he played into Genoa's hands. And with the uh, evergreen Goran Pandev, he, he took his chances very well. And uh, for Genoa, they're clearly moving away from the relegation zone. How long is it going to last, though, Vito? And I don't mean Genoa's uprise. I mean everything being rosy with Ballardini. Oh, look, I think uh, there's only one man who can really provide that answer. And even that, um, you won't be convinced if his answer is the best one. And that's Enrico Preziosi, the president. He's just so volatile. And, you know, one minute he might be happy with Ballardini and then... Like he said in uh, his previous stint, he caused Ballardini a terrible coach. But uh, I think if we're being brutally honest, Ballardini's been Genoa's best coach since they've been back in Serie A, aside from Gasparini. Two different styles of football, but, you know, they have some affection with the club or uh, the atmosphere around the club suits them and they somehow get the best out of the Grifones. So... Really, I think um, if Preziosi is really genuine about results, you know, regardless of what happens with Balladini, just is better off just sticking with him because anyone else is going to be worse. Which would be great yeah. from a some perspective, but uh, you know, if you really, if you really give, if he really, if he really cares about his own supporters, he should just stick with Balladini through thick and thin because. <laughs> There was a quick pause there. There was a quick pause and I decided I have to jump in here or else he's going to get the Vito Storia (laughs) stand side in and you just beat me to it. You just beat Uh, me to it. So that's all. That's uh, all. Um, Kev, there's a lot going on in Napoli with regards to Gennaro Gattuso's future. I mean, it it seems like he's not going to be there despite the club saying that he will be there next season and I mean results like this don't help things no you know as much as I'd I probably would have expected them to beat Genoa this weekend and then I could have continued my belief that he's probably being treated a little bit harshly with the speculation around his his exit Um, because I don't obviously I know what in an ideal world Napoli want from him They, they want him to do exactly as Pioli has done at at Milan and take a side and mould it into this cohesive unit that's going to challenge for the title. But really, they've they've won a Coppa Italia. Obviously, this year's 
Super Copper doesn't help because of the, the ridiculously poor performance from them. But they're still within touching distance of Champions League. And it, it it's it's hard because even you've not got fans in the in, in the stadium at the moment, which which either helps or hinders you, depending on, on, on their feelings towards the, the coach. But it it is hard when you consider that for 19 other clubs, the Scudetto is not going to happen this year. So what do you want? You know, you want to go see some entertaining football. You do get that on occasion with Napoli. So you can go to the game. You can enjoy your day out. You can go and watch football. You can go home relatively happy. Probably two out of three games a season you've won. And... You know, and you'll hopefully qualify for Europe, which gives you a few extra sort of incentives to win another cup competition. Mm. And and I would be happy as an Apple fan, to be to be frank. Um, so yeah, it kind of baffles me a little as to why they won't give him more time because he hasn't been there even two full seasons. I agree, and I, I think it is a really. I know we keep saying it, but it is an unusual season. And looking at the Serie A table, if it finished as it currently stands. I think there are only there could only be two teams annoyed with with how the season went, and that would be Cagliari and Parma because they're underperforming. Everyone else is kind of doing more or less what you'd expect given the circumstances, particularly at the top, right? Because you've got a lot of teams bunched in together. There's not all that much separating any of them really, and Napoli are well amongst it. I mean, they're currently sixth. You know, it's it's not the end of the world. And they've got a game in hand too. So, yeah, it's a strange one. It's a strange one. Well, yeah, we also praise places like the San Paolo. Oh, sorry, it's not the San Paolo anymore. No, uh, the, the Maradona. The, the, the Maradona. Yeah, that, that's easier than rolling it is, out the whole yeah. name. I struggled um, last week. And, you know, I've, I've had this argument with a few people, you know, about different leagues, about different underperforming sides and different championships across Europe. And I think you can't you can't say everybody's in the same situation because nobody's playing behind fans. If you're also or have been willing for the last five, ten, fifteen years to say, oh, that gives them an edge. You know, the the Maradona gives them an edge when it's full crowd and they're facing you know a top side or whatever. You know, even uh, the the atmosphere uh, in Sardinia for Cagliari. You know, with them in the bottom three. And then, and then again, we've we've talked about it the other way around, where the Milan fans get on the back of their side, and they're not that they're not that there anymore. So you can't say there is no advantage to it. So I think that also needs to be taken into account when Napoli are maybe dropping un- unexpected points at home. Mm. One of the craziest games of the weekend came in Bergamo on on Saturday because Atalanta did what they always do against teams they should beat, and they cruised to a three 0 advantage after twenty one minutes, and that should have been that. But this is Atalanta, so that very much was not that. Um, Torino came back from three goals behind Vito and left Bergamo with a point. And it has to be said, a remarkable point for Torino. Absolutely. Atalanta had that spell in the first half where they got three goals in seven minutes. But... As good as Atalanta's attacking play was, I thought Salvatore Sirigu had one of his worst games in a Torino jumper. Just his positioning and his awareness on the goals, I thought, was very out of character for him. And uh, he probably made the goals look easier than what they should have been. 
So I think under different circumstances, if Gianpaolo was still the coach, that comeback would not have been on. Uh, since Davide Nicola has replaced him, he's galvanised the team. So although they were down by three goals so early in the game, they just uh, persisted with the way of playing. They eventually cut it down to 3-2 just before half time, And then with only minutes to go, Bonazzoli came on as a sub and got that goal. So, yeah, it's just, uh, I think, Probably maybe not so much the tactics would be praised, but, um, yeah, I think just the mental strength more than anything of uh, Torino to, you know, react that way. And also against a team that's known for playing some of the best football in Italy and also in Europe, you know, I think, uh, yeah, it's an incredible change of attitude in a short space of time. Kev, when Atalanta went 3-0 up, so I should say before this game, I didn't have a good feeling because Atalanta aren't good against bad teams. And then I saw that Freuler wasn't starting and Pessina was starting in the deeper of the midfield positions. And then the icing on the cake was when I saw that Ruslan Malinowski was in the 11 because that only leads one way. And they went 3-0 up and I said to my friend, all right, it's, it's one of those days. It's all right. And then as soon as Belotti scored, I just looked. And I said, oh no, it's happening. And then they scored again. And then they almost scored again in the space of five first half minutes before the break. So when the goal did eventually come in the 84th minute or whenever it was, I was not a slight bit surprised. Is that just the pessimism of supporting a team or is it because it's Atalanta and that's what they're capable of? I think it's possibly the pessimism of supporting that team. Um, Because actually I, I, I switched over called it just about 10, 15 minutes in. So Atalanta scored almost as soon as I sort of switched over uh, with a bit of luck because uh, Ilicic, is, he hit it into the floor, which kind of did for Sirigu getting it because <laughs> you know, he was expecting him to fully drill it low. And then by the time they'd sort of scored their other two goals, I was thinking about the 7-0 that they turned mm. Torino over a, a, a while ago. Um and then even uh, half an hour in where Belotti seemed to plead Romero's innocence and then it looks as though the referee didn't even change his mind and give him a drop ball, but he decided to kick it back to Galini. And I thought, well, if that's the sort of fight Torino have got, then, you know, that, that's kind of it. And, that, and that's why I, I largely sort of switched off to the game going on in the background as I cooked a lovely vegetarian lasagna. We're <laughs> not going to give Belotti credit for that. I mean, he, he went to ground anticipating contact. There wasn't contact. The referee booked Romero and Belotti said, no, look, it wasn't one. So then there was a drop ball, but I think that it was supposed to be a drop ball where it's just played from. But Belotti just knocked it back out of sportsmanship. And I put out a tweet. He's, he's, from, he's from Bergamo, Kev. Is he, is he oh. trying to get a move? I'd, I'd forgotten that actually. Well, it's about time he had a move, to be honest. If you know, in my eyes, um, yeah, I'd certainly praise him for the for the um, sportsmanship. But I just thought it, it showed a maybe a subconscious on a subconscious level that as captain, everybody might have fed off that and thought, okay, yeah, we know our, our day's done today, even thirty minutes in. But it wasn't to be the case. I found myself utterly deflated when the third goal went in despite not being surprised. But I kind of caught myself then because isn't that 
the whole thing about Atalanta, right? They do crazy things, and that's why they're fun to watch because you never know what you're going to get from them. Even if they're 3-0 up or 3-0 down, you don't know what's going to happen, and that's in all a good thing. A good thing. Yeah, exactly. You know, like we were saying about this whole scenario with fans not in the stadium, if you're still being able to have those feelings watching it through a TV screen, which I certainly struggle with not being there in person, then that is all you can ask for as a fan because at the moment it's extremely difficult. But even when they're back in a stadium, if you're not expecting, you know, although I know you have a couple of times got your hopes up, um, if you're not expecting a challenge for the title, then all you want is entertaining football. Good entertaining football, not yeah, you're getting six goals. You're conceding six goals every week, so you're seeing plenty of goals. But uh, yeah, Kev, I would like to see any goals at the moment, given what I've had to endure this season. But we'll get on to that. Don't you worry. Vito Lazio play Cagliari in the last game of the weekend. They won one nil thanks to you know who, Chiro Mobile, and they're now fifth, I believe. Cagliari in the bottom three. A result that's big for both teams, but we'll start with Lazio. A good one, a good win. Oh, indeed, it's an important win because uh, usually with Lazio, they're the kind of team that's capable of scoring a few goals, but uh, this time they just needed the one, and uh, Immobile showed that uh, he's decisive once again for the Bianco Celesti. He's very, um, he's consistent, um, he's prolific, and the goal was a bit of a scrappy goal, but. Uh, when you are a striker, you just got to take them as they come. And uh, yeah, considering what he's done in the last four years or so with them, um, yeah, it's, uh, you know, again, he just does what he does best. And uh, I'm sure Lazio fans are grateful that he's been around for as long as he has. We're really spoiled, Vito, aren't we, in Serie A for strikers? I mean, you've got you've got Quagliarella at your, with your mob. I've got Lucio Muriel, Duvan Zapata, there's Zlatan, there's Chiro Immobile, there's Dzeko when he's on it as well. We've got the two boys at Inter. We've got loads of really top strikers. And Belotti, who's playing for a terrible team. It's great. <laughs> yeah. Oh, it's a great look for the league to have all these different strikers. And when they're in form, even better. Absolutely. What, what is it about Serie A strikers? And people say it's a, a defensive league. Kev, why are you laughing? Oh, it's it's because Juve have got Cristiano Ronaldo at the moment, so they don't buy strikers. They buy like wingers because they don't want to upset Cristiano. <laughs> they, they, bring, they bring in Morata, but they're just not pinching all of the uh, the homegrown strikers at the moment until Ronaldo retires. Yeah. I didn't even mention Morata, actually. He's definitely in that list. Yeah, once Cristiano goes, Duvan's gone there, isn't he? <laughs> and we'll get Belotti and everything will be okay. Everything will be okay if Belotti comes back to Bergamo. We'll see. Um, Kev, what do you make of this one? Cagliari in the bottom three now. I know um, our very own Ben Hughes, who you, you're friendly with, let's be honest. You're both Liverpool fans, unfortunately. And he's concerned about Cagliari, despite not being a fan. He's in the situation with Cagliari as I am with Parma. They're not my Serie A team, but I have a lot of feelings for them because I live where they play. And Ben's worried. Yeah, I was about to say, you call him not a fan, but um, if you read some of his tweets, there's clearly quite strong feelings there for them. Um, he has the same he... allegiance as Mr. Doria, though. Oh, I didn't realise that. He, yeah. Maybe he needs to tweet more about it. But um, obviously, he, he he really doesn't want to lose Syria <laughs> football from Sardinia. He, he's uh, stuck. If 
I lose Serie A football, I can just get on a train. He'd have yeah. to get the boat. <laughs> it's not great. But they've they've been they've they've been looking really poor in recent weeks. I think the first time I noticed it, they lost at home to Benevento. Um, tonight there was a period towards the end of the game, probably from sort of sixty five minutes onwards, where you two don't have this experience, but I felt I was back in the late eighties <laughs> where there was a there was a back pass rule and the defenders would pass it back to the goalkeeper. He'd pick it up and bounce the ball to the other end of the box and pass it. All they, all the, the only difference tonight was that they pass it back to Pepe Reina and he'd either distribute it to Lucas in the middle of midfield or out to the other centre half. They were extremely uh, well sort of split. And it felt like there was no pressure from the calorie Cali end whatsoever and almost as if they'd given up um, you know, on the on the on the game, even though they're only one goal behind, and I wondered. Well, I didn't wonder. I feared that that was uh, sort of a, in a, their season in a microcosm that they that they're struggling so much that they're giving up on things a little bit. Do you think? It just I don't know. It was just a really subpar into a game that's only that's only got one goal in it. You know, it wasn't like they were three 0 down with sort of 20, 15, 20 minutes to go. Um, and again, when they're not performing at home, whether or not that's with you know without the fans there, they're, they're finding it a little bit difficult. You just think, go all out, you know, try and get something out of that game, show a little bit of fight, and it, it, it wasn't there for me tonight. Um, elsewhere at the bottom, Cali are eighteenth in nineteenth place. Parma, it's it's getting ridiculous, guys. Like it's getting really ridiculous. They haven't scored a goal at home. For eight matches, their last goal at home came in October. It's February now. Their last win at home came nine, ten matches ago. At the beginning of October, they they do nothing, absolutely nothing. I said at the top of this part, maybe it was before we started recording, that they've got one player who plays football, and it's Kutska. Nobody else does anything. I don't understand what any of the new players are supposed to do because they don't do anything. Um, Bruno is struggling this year as well. And it's just a mess. It's an absolute mess. Are they still paying Liverani? Well, they would be, wouldn't they? Yeah. So he'll come back for a few guys. Well, no, maybe they should get both of them in. Try two coaches. If one's not not working, try two coaches. But I, I was a bit concerned today because Daversa, for the first time since, I think it might have been when they played Samp. No, it was when they played Bologna at the end of last season at the Tardini. Actually, that's quite weird because today was against Bologna too. Didn't put two and two together until right this moment. But he lined up with a 3-5-2. He, he veered away from his usual 4-3-3. And the first half on that day was an absolute disaster and they went 2-0 down by half time. Then he went back to 4-3-3 and they came back in the second half and drew 2-2. Roberto Inglese scored with literally the last kick of the game. Um I think they scored two stoppage time goals that day actually. Kurtic with the other maybe. But today he did that 3-5-2 thing again and for 5 minutes Parma looked like a football team. I'm not going to say they looked good, but they looked like a football team. They were aggressive, they were on the front foot. When they didn't have the ball, they were making life difficult for Bologna. But then after that Fuck me. It's unbelievable. They just... When when I say they didn't do anything, I really mean it. Like, for, I'd say, 40 minutes of the first half, 
and 38 minutes of the second half. Parma did nothing. It was unbelievable. Cornelius kicked someone in the head, didn't he? I don't know what I don't know what he does. I don't know why they're paying him. I don't know why they're playing him. I said it last season as well, but because he like I said on the pod last week, he scored six goals against Genoa, so his statistics looked good. So people on Twitter said he was a good footballer. He's useless. He does nothing for that team. We saw that Atalante was getting kept out of a team by Andrea Patania, who couldn't score a goal in Bergamo. And now he's in Parma. And the only reason he played last season was because Roberto Inglese was always injured. Now they've got Graziano Pelle in, but I don't know how he's going to score because they don't get the ball to the striker anyway. And when the ball gets into the box, it's just Gervinho running around and then he runs around the perimeter of the box and then passes to someone that's not there and it goes out for a throw-in. It's It's mad. It's actually mad. And to be honest, I'm so sick of watching them. I'm so sick of watching them. Normally, being a little extra can be a bit much. But when it comes to healthcare, it pays to be extra. And United Healthcare makes it easy with Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they supplement your primary plan, helping you manage out of pocket costs without the usual requirements and restrictions like deductibles and enrollment periods. So when it comes to covering your medical bills, you can feel good about being a little extra. Visit uh1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me, because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates, like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Someone else say something, please. Uh, yeah, this because of the quality of the squad overall, you just wonder, do this team really deserve relegation? Probably from that extent and also the performances, you'd probably say yes. But uh, yeah, there's just a part of me that really wants to see the new ownership work somehow. But, you know, on the, on the football pitch, yeah, it's very hard to work out, you know, how diverse could possibly change things, even with the new signs. I mean, if if Andrea Conti comes good and starts making those runs from right back and chipping in with a few goals, great. If somehow they can get the ball to Pelé and he starts scoring like he did at Southampton and Feyenoord, fantastic. But you just don't know when it's going to happen or how it clicks. And then you've got a few of the other teams who have, been relegation rivals, but they're moving away. Teams like Genoa and Udinese, um, at the moment, it's a bit hard to see who's going to get dragged into that battle. Even Spezia look like they're in a good position to survive too. So, yeah, I think uh, Parma as well as Cagliari, they look like they're in a 
scary position where they could be joining Crotone in Serie B next season. They've won two games. Yeah, I, th- I think they will. And you just hope that the, because of the new ownership, they use that as kind of a a springboard to doing something more, you know, more long-term strategy. Um, it's probably been hard to come in. Like, did they come in during the pandemic? Was the deal yeah, going like through the, as we... Yeah, they... Just the as we were stopping. Signed off. No, no, no. They, they came at the end of September. Oh, okay. So just as just, the season started. Maybe without the, the focus that, that being in the top flight brings that they can, you know, because you don't want them to, not they free fall bow last time. It was other issues that dragged them down to <laughs> Syria. Yeah. Um, but yeah, you, you hope that they can go down and maybe implement some sort of long-term strategy. Because I know you've obviously spoken to them and they seem, seem to have be taking a sensible approach, even if we don't know what their long-term strategic aim is for the club. It, Clearly, isn't pumping in lots of money for unnecessary. No, this is the concern. I'm not sure how accepting the the public and Palmer would be of of this team getting relegated. And when you look at it, the amount of the number of signings they've made as well, like in the in the last window, fair enough. They the new ownership weren't in place until the last week of the window, and they hadn't signed anyone before all that. And a lot of new players come in. They've not done a tap. And then in this transfer window again, they were very quiet until very late on and they brought in a lot of new players. Parma's problem over the last few years in Serie A has been going forward. They've always been defensively quite sound. That first season, they were very good defensively. Last season, they were all right defensively, particularly when it was Bruno and um, Dermaku playing together. Dermaku got shipped off to, to Lecce in Serie B. For love and money, can't understand why that happened. But the new signings, the areas they needed to to improve were up top, right? Gervinho should have been sold last winter when he tried to force his move to the UAE. Um, he wasn't. Things fell through. He should have been gotten rid of him in the summer. But despite the problems that they have up front, every time they play a game, it's Gervinho and Cornelius up top. They've got... Who was on the bench today? Xerxes was on the bench... Um, Caro Mo was on the bench who's hit or miss Mihaila was on the bench Brunetta was on the bench Dennis Mann was on the bench all of these new forward players that they've brought in they're not getting a look in which is very very strange right when when that is the weakness just put throw them in what have you got to lose second from bottom I don't understand anything that's going on at Palma at the moment but Vito Muzabaro, he scored a brace. First ever Bologna player to score a brace away at Parma in Serie A. And it was on February 7th. His last away brace in Serie A came on February 7th, 2020, when he scored two in a, in a win at Roma. So February 7th is, is Muzabaro's favourite day of the year. Mm, yeah. yeah, very coincidental indeed. Um, yeah, got to keep an eye on that. For the seventh of February next year to see what the things going on. Yeah, it's odd because it's fire zone. I don't think it's his birthday. Maybe you know, whose birthday's on the seventh? Who knows? <laughs> Who knows? But he, he was good. He got two goals, and Nicolas Ansone in particular assisted both of them. He, he played well as well. I like seeing him play. You know. Yeah, he's actually one of those players that on his day is actually a pretty good player. Um, 
But throughout his career, I think he's another one of those uh, Italian players that's just had consistency issues because we've seen it, you know, he was at Parma, he was at Sassuolo, then he had that spell at Villarreal in Spain. So on his day, he's, uh, you know, I like uh, Sansuolo, he's pretty handy. And uh, if we just look at the team in general, though, um, Orsolini didn't start. They have Scott Olsen. Um, up front was Barrow and Sansone on the left. So it was good that at least Mihalovic changed things up because you know, Palacio can only do so much at 39. Um, I think they do lack in that sort of number nine role. And Barrow was an out strike at Atalanta, but for some reason Mihalovic has been using him on that left side on you know, in the four-two-three-one. So to have Barrow up front, you know, I think that's a big plus for both uh, Barrow and Mahalovic. It's interesting that you say that because I, at times today, got caught just watching him because I was quite curious because I remember him as being very much like an out-and-out number nine with Atalanta, you know. But today, the the number of times he dropped deep just looking for the ball, and Mihalovic kept telling him, Musa, Musa, go up. And he was sitting in like a, a Trequartista or Regista position at times. It was a bit strange. But yeah, it's good to see Barrow firing. Kev, Spezia beat Sassuolo 2-1. Chicha Caputo put the narrow Verde ahead, but it wasn't enough. Spezia came back, 2-1 win, and it's a big one. Yeah, well, it's um, like Vito was saying earlier, it's, it's helping them clear their way away from that relegation spot. Um, the highlights seem to indicate that Sassuolo just weren't clinical enough. I think Caputo raced away about midway through the first half and sort of finished as clinically as he usually does. But they seem to create a lot and just not, you know, not score from anything they they um they managed to develop. And then Spezia just took the chances that fell to him from corners. I think both were corners or free kicks slung into the box. One direct header in, and the other that uh oh god, who was it? Uh Giassi. Uh, mm-hmm. Toe poked just uh, as it fell in the six-yard box. So I think they, I think they have got an astonishing away record uh, this year. They certainly did at one stage of the season. They picked up, they picked up something like five or seven points from from twelve away from home at the start of the season, which really gave them a springboard to to do well. Well, keep themselves up. Um, and if it continues like that, then 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 they will be comfortable towards that end of the season. Yeah, they've got a stinking home record, like absolutely stinking. But I like them. I've been impressed by what I've seen from them this season. With I think Vincenzo Italiano is doing a quite a decent job there. Um, onto the other Ligurian team, Vito Samp had to come back from two or not from two from one goal behind to uh, Gianluca Caprari actually scored for Benevento, a familiar face. But Keita Baldiau scored after. Did he come off the bench? No, Quagliarella and Damsgaard come off the bench and kind of changed the game a little bit. Yeah. And then while they scored, but against Benevento, points not bad results in Campania. Considering the way Benevento have been playing this season, yeah, it's probably not the worst place to get a draw. But uh, I think to be fair, it probably wasn't a game that Sump really deserved to win. To be honest, the only times that they really looked dangerous was probably the last fifteen twenty minutes when. Uh, Dam's guard replaced Candreva, Verre came on, played in the midfield, and then uh, Quayarella, although he wasn't uh, overly influential, just his presence, I think, made some sort of a difference. Uh, Dam's guard in particular, I thought, really 
change things up because until then, um, the first half was pretty dour. You could maybe you'd give Benevento a bit of the edge, but the first 20, 25 minutes of that second half, uh, Benevento looked like they could have gone two or three nil ahead. But I think between the decision making and uh, the way they released the ball, I think um, that probably prevented them from killing the game off. Uh, Caprari and La Padula looked like a threat up front. Um, they were using more that right side, so they were, I mean, Sump's right and their left, so they were really, you know, putting pressure on Kandreva and Berezinski. And, uh, yeah, I think Ranieri might be happy with the point, but uh, I think Inzaghi would probably feel that it was two points lost. Yeah, I, I think Benevento have definitely been the best of the bunch of the, the promoted sides, and you do get that kind of mentality off them that even when they pick up a point against a team that, you know, a point's not a bad result against, they would feel like it's a it's a missed opportunity. So, good result, but a bad result for both teams at the same time. Kev, the last game we're going to talk about, Udinese 2, Verona 0. Verona have only won twice in their last six. This one, I mean, there's two goals in the last seven minutes that won it for, for Udinese, but huge win for them. And Verona have kind of just regressed to the mean a little bit. Yeah, I think we said the same last year as well, where we thought, oh, you know, could they could they be in the mix towards the latter stages of the season for, you know, Europa League places? And they they fell away again. I know we're only just over the halfway mark, but they're 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 they're, they're having defeats more easily than we would generally expect them. Obviously they lost Kabula. Uh, did I pronounce that correctly? I always do one. Uh, they lost him to Roma. Um, you know, and they've maybe not looked because that spine has gone because Amrabat went to Fiorentina as well. Right. Um, but again, with the way that Palmer, Crotone, Cagliari, even if they slip into the bottom half, you kind of think they're just going to float now around sort of eighth to twelfth place, and will probably be relatively happy until you can get fans back into the stadium and keep their top flight status. I was quite surprised to see that both Kalinic and Lasagna started the game and Juric afterwards said that, look, I made a mistake playing the two of them together. I'm going to just have to choose one going forward, which you'd think makes a lot of sense and it would make sense probably if neither of them started all that off and come forward. But there we are. Look, we're finished talking about the games. Guys, we've we've come to the, the near end of the pod. Kev, why are you already laughing? Are you just so excited to play the game? No, you told me you had a uh, a story or a uh, something to tell us anyway. Do you want it before the game then? Well, uh, you know, your messages pre-pod indi- like, seem to indicate that we were getting it before the game. All right. Well, I was I was out for um. When was it? It was yesterday evening on on Saturday. So obviously, Emilia Romagna is now Giallo. We're in a yellow zone, which means that restaurants and bars have have reopened with particular restrictions. <laughs> I thought I thought you meant that's why Palmer decided to like change kits all the bloody time. <laughs> <laughs> Actually, we need to talk about that too. We need to talk about that too. Um. But no, so bars and restaurants are reopened. So me and a couple of my friends headed to one of our favorite spots. And we tend to go to this restaurant and they've got good beer there. And then we'll go to the bar, have a have a pint and then be on our way. So, so we did that. And after a, a fantastic meal, if anyone is ever in Parma, by the way, Birificio Gregorio, 
best burger and best beer you'll have in Parma. Go there. Um, and we were walking through the park, Parco Ducale, and I froze. And my mate looked at me and said, what are you doing? And I said, do you see who that is? It's not man. It's not your man, is it? Do you see who that is? And he was like, who? Your man over there in the black jacket? And I said, yes. Do you not know who that is? And nobody knew who he was. But I think you know who it was. Could it be Mr. Bruno Alves himself? It was, it was big Bruno Alves. Yeah, I, I saw him in the wild. It is natural it's- habitat. Has he has he got so old that he's now aimlessly wandering through parks, forgetting where he's live where he lives? Well, he was he was with uh, a lady friend, so I would assume okay. his wife, but I'm not sure. Yeah, um, let's not speculate on who he was, who the lady friend was. Like and if it wasn't the midst of a pandemic, I would have asked him for a photo, and I never do that. Like I've only ever asked one celebrity for a photo before, and Bruno would have been the second. Undoubtedly, that, me? But... that wasn't me. No, it's like gonna let that sit like the bad smell that it was. Um, yeah, so I saw Bruno Alves, Kev, for the first time out in the wild. I was delighted with myself, absolutely delighted. He now joins a list of I've seen Kutska, I've seen Kruzevsky, and I've seen Antonino Barilla as well, just out and about in Parma. So and Roberto Inglese as well. So he's he's on a very short list there. But Bruno made my weekend. Made my week. I immediately thought I'm gonna use Bruno in the game this week, but I can't do that now. Um. So we're gonna play the game. Vito, obviously you're going first because Kev doesn't know how to win. Um. So I'm gonna set the timer. You know the you know how it works. You've got two minutes to f- discover the identity of a mystery Serie A player, and your time starts now. Is the player a foreigner? The player is a foreigner, yes. Does this player play for a club in northern Italy? They do not play in northern Italy, no, sorry. Do they play in the capital city? They do not play in the capital city, no. Do they play for a club in Campania? They do play in Campania, yes. Is this player a Benevento player? The player does not play for Benevento, sorry. Uh, it was no. going to be a Benevento player, but then I thought I had already done him, so I, I switched to the other Campania club. Yeah, my geography at the moment. I am now... They're a big club, Kev, a very big club. God. Right. Diego Maradona used to play for them. For yeah, fuck's okay. Sake. Is it... Uh... Are they a midfielder? <laughs> they are a midfielder. Do you know what club this is? Yeah. Right. Uh, okay. Oh, oh, it's Kev's turn. Sorry. It's my guy, isn't it? <laughs> yeah, it is. Uh, Stop stalling. Uh, are they? Uh, are they an international? <laughs> uh, they are. Yeah. Okay. Just. Uh, just. Oh God. Um, as in, like, sh- not recently. As in. They've not played very many games. Oh, God. You've got about 32 seconds left. Oh, is it Fabian Ruiz? It's not Fabian Ruiz. Is it Bakayoko? It's not Timo Bakayoko. Uh, is it Zielinski? It's not Piotr Zielinski. He must have played loads for us, actually. Yeah. Us? Yes. 
Oh, go quick. Is it Elmas? It's not Elu Velmas, Kev. You've, we're into the oh, last God. 10 seconds. I think there's Is only it Deme? What did you say? Deme. Stop the clock. Really? Hang on, no. Stop the clock because the game's finished. Time's no, up. No, what? Nah, it's, it's not. It is. It's Diego Deme. <laughs> Kev's, go. Kev's only got a bloody one. <laughs> Kev's just got a one a game. <laughs> I, I, mean, I don't even know how many points I've got. <laughs> I'm amazed. I'm amazed. <laughs> Vito does not look happy about it. <laughs> I'm shocked that I lost. <laughs> yeah, I'm trying I, to. Uh, particularly <laughs> after I didn't know that Naples is in Campania. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I, I feel like you don't deserve the points because I had to tell you the club without saying their name. Oh, don't. It's like uh, it's like counties over here. I don't really do counties. Yeah, but I, it's weird because in Italy, the the regions matter a lot more. Mm. That's strange. I tell you what, I can't find the last time I wrote down how many points I had. Let's call it seven. Right. It's less than five. So we absolutely <laughs> won't call it seven. And I'd be I'd be shocked if it's more than three, today's result included. <laughs> yeah. Let's call it seven. Out of twenty yeah. seven. Anyway, what, what uh... did you want to talk to me? What did you want to talk to me about kits anyway? So... Oh Parbo, right? So today was a joke. Because Parma's kit is white short, black socks. Or white shirt, black shorts. Today they wore white shorts so that Bologna could wear black shorts. Despite Bologna just needing to wear white shorts with their home. I don't know why Bologna changed kits. And I thought you'd have something to say on it because you're a... Well, see, see, oddly, when we had the discussion last week, I hadn't managed to see the Napoli Parma highlights. Yeah, and that was I noticed that actually because yeah. that was the kit I was trying to describe to you. Yeah, Palmer had brought out Palmer had brought out a fourth dark blue strip. That was that was the first um, alternative kit they brought out this season before they released their two away kits. I was I was firstly I was more offended with Sam wearing white because blue against yellow and red stripes is not a good match. Um, I saw that tweet. <laughs> yeah, and. Um, and yeah, and, and oddly, I don't know with the uh, with the whole changing because of the shorts. I remember there was a, a a World Cup, certainly 2002. There was a sort of a FIFA directive that if your shirts clashed, you changed your shirt, and then if there was still a short clash, you could change your shorts. And I remember Brazil just because they wanted to play yellow, blue, white, they changed their entire strip to play blue, white, uh, blue against Costa Rica because Costa Rica were like red shirts, white shorts, so. But interestingly, uh, if you're me, uh, I saw that, that there's only one MLS side this year having a third shirt because uh, Atlanta, not to be mistaken with Atalanta, mm. are the only one that sells over 100,000 shirts. It's the only reason Adidas are making a third strip for them. So nothing to do with uh, kit clashes. Just oh. that's how they do it. Interesting one, that. Mm. I'd, be I'd, I'd be much better... I'd feel much better if people just did it based on shirt sales and then we wouldn't have so many kits floating around. Be an interesting one, all right. Um, all right. I think that's all I've got to say. Oh, Parma have new lanyards. It was nice. So when, you, when you get your accreditation, the uh, the old lanyard was just a dark blue with the Parma logo on. Now it's like... Wow. Um, Yellow and blue bro- broken into each other with Parma Calcio written on it. They're they're quite nice now, actually. I like well, them. You, you, 
you want to hope that the person that does the accreditation hasn't heard you about 20 minutes ago saying you're fed up of watching Palmer and you don't want to watch him again. <laughs> it's a good thing I'm leaving the country, isn't it? Uh, <laughs> be, yes, of course. Yeah. I'll be back next season for, for some sweet Serie B. Um, we'll, we'll see what happens then. But guys, let's put the listeners out of their misery, shall we? Um, Vito, say goodbye. Goodbye. Kev, say goodbye. Ciao, ragazzi. <laughs> I knew you were going to do something. Kev, say goodbye again. <laughs> goodbye, guys. <laughs> I just ciao from me. Presto. Guarda il cielo come blu, con rosso fuoco dell'amore. Dai vestiti così, sei bella più di un fiore. Staremo in curva, abbracciati a tutt'idea. E sarà come sentire la
Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear, and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. 